We have two readings this morning. The first is from Ephesians chapter 2. As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And our second reading is from Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers and sisters with me to the churches in Galatia. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Malcolm. Wow, what a passage to preach on today. Are we excited today? Are we excited? Are we happy? It's great. What a, what a gem. Ephesians 2, Galatians 1, talking about grace. And this last week, I've been thinking about this, this thing of grace. And I think for a lot of us as Christians, I've been a Christian now for about 12 years. And for me, this word grace, kind of, I've heard it before. I've heard about grace before, and I've experienced grace for myself. And so maybe you're here this morning, and you've experienced grace. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've encountered the risen Lord Jesus. Maybe you're here this morning, and you've never experienced this thing of grace. And I think what we do often is we, we take some of these, I suppose, more simple teachings and things that are kind of a given with our faith, and we take it for granted, and we don't really remember that, that maybe today we need a fresh perspective on what Jesus did for us on the cross. As we were praying this morning before the 9.30 service, there was just this word that, that we need refreshing as a church. And maybe for us, as we look at this thing of grace today, that we would be refreshed, that we would remember that Jesus came to die for our sins. That he came to give us this free gift 
of grace, which is the most incredible, incredible thing you could ever experience in your life. And I think we take it for granted how incredible this thing of grace really is. Before I get into this passage, I'm going to be predominantly focused this morning on Galatians. I love this church in Galatia, but before we look at the text in more depth, I just want to show us a video, which I think you'll like. So we could play the video, that'd be great. Isn't that great? Don't we hate it when we get parking tickets? <laughs> similar things happened to me before. It was horrible. Um, isn't that great? This free gift that we get. And we, we think and we kick up a fuss. But actually, as in the video, just wanted to give this £10, this free gift that was given to us. And we see in this book of Galatians, if you've got a Bible, would you open it to the book of Galatians? And Galatians 1. This church in Galatia is all about God. Everything about this church is about God, and it's about God's grace. And this Galatian church, they understand that that the bedrock of their faith is Jesus Christ, that he has died for their sins, that he has given them this free gift in Jesus Christ, this gift of grace. But what happened in these churches is that, that false teachers had come into the church. False apostles had come into the church, and they're now teaching these Christians in Galatia that, that actually, you know, Jesus kind of forgives you of your sins, but, you know, he he doesn't really. And you've got to do a bunch of things in order to be saved. You've got to work for your salvation. And these Galatian Christians, they're believing this stuff. They're saying, do we really have to work for our salvation? These guys are saying, yes, you do, and they're believing it. And they're putting this into practice, and they're starting to work for their salvation. See, this is where the Apostle Paul comes in. The Apostle Paul, a man of God, comes along and he says, this is a load of rubbish, what these apostles, these false teachers are teaching you. This is a load of rubbish. This is not what it's about. This is not what grace is, that this is a free gift in Jesus Christ, that you don't have to work for your salvation. You don't have to do a thing, actually, But when we receive this gift of grace, like many of us in this room have done, do we not want to work for God because we've received this amazing gift? You see, it comes that other way around. It's not that we work for our salvation, but we want to do good things because we've been lavished with this free gift in Jesus Christ. This is what Paul comes along and he says. And I think often in our church, not just this church, but church in general, that that we think that we have to work our way to get to heaven. That we think that, that if we want to be with Jesus in heaven, that we have to do good works in order to get there. You see, that's what I think has creeped into our culture as well, that, that if we want to get something, we have to do a bunch of good works in order to get it. And you might say, well, you know, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with doing good things in order to, to achieve something? I think when it comes to this thing of grace, actually, it's an incredibly arrogant thing to think that way. Because it takes the emphasis off of what God has done for us. And it puts the emphasis on what we have done. And how we have earned it. And how we have done these good things that we think are actually going to get us into heaven. But Paul says that is not the gospel. 
He says to these Christians in Galatia, that is not the gospel. The gospel is, this is a free gift in Jesus Christ. You cannot do anything to work for this. It's a free gift. Paul says, Galatians 1 verse 1, just turn with me there if you've got your Bibles open to that. He starts by saying, Paul, an apostle. And he says, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who has raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me. Okay, so Paul starts off by saying, this is Paul. This is the guy who's writing to you. He gives his validation for who he is. This is Paul. And 2,000 years ago in letters, and we see this in the Bible, that they would start their letters by saying who they were. And that makes sense because then you're reading this letter and you know who's written this thing to you. Today, 2,000 years later, we, we write a letter and we put our name at the end. It doesn't make sense, does it? Why, does that, why do we do that? Why don't we just take it from what these guys did 2,000 years ago? Paul says, he starts by saying, his name is Paul, and he calls himself an apostle. Okay, apostle is literally the word that means sent one, someone who is sent. Okay, and this word comes from, back 2,000 years ago, they had these ships called apostolic ships. And apostolic ships, their job, their function, their task was to take goods or cargo from one place and to take them to another place. That's why they're called apostolic ships, because they take things from one place to another. An apostle, likewise, an apostle for Jesus Christ is someone who takes the gospel from one place to another. And these apostles, they have gifts of healing. They have an incredible ministry. They're pioneers. They're church planters. They're people that take this good news and they take it to somewhere else. Paul calls himself an apostle, that he is apostle of Jesus Christ sent from God. Not by anyone else, but by God. He calls himself sent. See, I love my job. I do really like my job. It's, it's quite difficult at times. But I think for most of the time, I, I quite like it, and it's a, it's a great job. And I can remember a few years ago, I was reading my Bible, and I was, I was praying to God, God, should I go into ministry in the Church of England? And I thought well, I could go and do something else, but, but God, what do you want me to do? And I can remember God speaking to me quite clearly and saying, for I have ordained you to do this. And that word, ordained, it, it just gave me that feeling that God has called me to do this. And I love my job because I believe... You might not believe it, but I believe that God has called me to do this job. And that's a great feeling. See, last week we looked at this man called Bezalel from Exodus 31. And Bezalel was someone who had been gifted with the talents and gifts that God had given him to use them for the glory of God. I just wonder, this last week, have you thought about those gifts and those talents that God has given you to use? And are you using those things for the kingdom of God? Are you using those things to glorify his name? Because if you're not, then you need to pray. God, how can I use those gifts, those talents, that calling that's on my life? And this might not be our profession. Maybe this is something that we do as a hobby. Are we using those things for the glory of the kingdom of God? And it really is an amazing feeling. For those of us in the room that know what it's like to, to feel that you're doing something for the kingdom of God, it's a great thing. Paul here calls himself someone who has been sent by God. He has this validation. And then we see this great word in verse 3 that we just had read to us by Malcolm a moment ago. This word called grace. 
And he says, verse 3, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Do we know what this word grace really means? The word grace means unmerited favor. Unmerited favor. Someone giving you something with no strings attached. This is just a free gift that we've been given. Okay, I'm going to show you what grace is. Okay, and I'm a bit of a risk doing this, but who's a lucky person this morning? I tell you what, <laughs> you're a guest this morning. What's your name? Sorry. Lucy. Lucy, there's five pounds. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> Sorry that I'm not rich, because I would have given you 50, but uh, that's, that's, that's all I've got. But, but grace is, why has Lucy just received five pounds? That's not fair. What about me? Why has she just received five pounds? And that is the gift of God to us, his people. That God has given us this free gift that is worth far more than any money, worth far more than anything we could ever own, Through Jesus Christ dying for our sins on the cross, we can have freedom in him. You know, we've got to understand that it's not because we are great people. It's not because of what we've done. It's it's not because of what works we have done here on this earth. You know, you could be the nicest, most caring, loving person in the world. But it says quite clearly that the only way to the Father is through the Son, Jesus Christ, and believing and trusting in his name. And many of us know that, but, but do we put that into practice? The only way that we are going to receive grace is through Jesus Christ. And that he has forgiven our sins, past, present, and future. That we can walk in the light and the obedience of Christ. It is the most incredible thing. And if you've not experienced that, then I would say to you, please pray and ask God that you would experience his grace. The first time I experienced it, it was amazing. It was in my bedroom, and I was 18 years old, and God just came down and changed my life. And I experienced that grace in my life. It says, verse 3, Paul goes on to say that Jesus came to rescue us from this present evil age. And really, I know a lot of people that say that this, this age that we're in at the moment isn't actually an evil age, that, that actually we're, predominantly, we're, we're good people. And I would say to that, have you seen the news lately? You know, do you watch what goes on around the world? Human trafficking, the greed that goes on, the lust. If you just watch the news, you've got to see the hatred that are in people's lives, that people want to exterminate other people, that just to wipe them out. There is this greed, there is this longing that we live in an evil age. This is not a good age. And I was praying for these people last week around the world that are going through such horrible, horrible things. And as I was praying for these people, I felt God say, you've also got to pray for those who are putting these people in this place, for the perpetrators. You've got to pray for them because if we think about it, do you think that those people who have put others in that position grew up thinking, you know, I, I want to be someone who's a molester. 
I want to be someone who is greedy. I want to be someone who has hatred in my heart. You see, I don't think they did. I don't think people grow up thinking that is the way that I want to be when I'm older. And so we've got to pray for those people as well. We've got to lift up these people, these these leaders of countries around the world where it's corrupt and pray that God would do something, that God would reveal his grace to those people as well. That God would intervene and God would reveal himself in his son, Jesus Christ, who died for their sins as well, not just for us, for everyone he died for. Yeah, see, I think a lot of us here as well, we get caught up in things and from this passage in Acts, we see about these, the evil age and these things that we can get caught up in as well. And for some of us, we're caught up in those things right now. It's things that are going on in our life. Maybe we're addicted to something. You can be addicted to many things, whether that's drugs, alcohol, pornography. And we look at things and we think, actually, you know, that is not what God has asked the best for me in. You know, I shouldn't be doing those things. Maybe, actually, we're an angry person. And God is saying, you know, I don't want you to be angry. Maybe we're full of greed. Maybe we have things going on in our hearts which, actually, we never intended to be that person. We don't want to be that way. And I would say that Jesus is saying today, Receive my grace. Receive my Holy Spirit. That this is why I came. See, he came to the earth 2,000 years ago to die on the cross for all of those things, past, present, and future. And because we have experienced that gift of Jesus Christ, then we want to walk in those good things. Do we really want to go on living in those ways? You see, and I would encourage you today, if there's something that that you're struggling with at the moment, whatever that may be, greed, lust, anger, whatever that thing is for you, that you would come to the foot of the cross and say you're sorry to God for that and to walk in this grace that he has freely given us in Jesus Christ. See, I love the verse in the Bible that says, for his mercies are new every single morning. Great is your faithfulness. And that is a promise to us, that God gives us his new mercies every single day. I was reminded of this story of the prodigal son. And we, a lot of us know this story, the prodigal son who, who takes his father's wealth. He says, Dad, you know, I almost wish you were dead, basically. But give me your money. Give me my inheritance early. He takes this inheritance and he goes off and he squanders this inheritance on wild living. And he decides in the midst of it, actually, what have I become What is this man that I have become through this greed, through this lust, through these evil things in my heart? And he decides, well, you know, I'm going to go back to the Father and I'll work as as hired help if I have to. And he goes back expecting that his dad is going to dismiss him and put him as one of the servants. And yet his dad is standing there and welcomes him into his arms. That's what God does for us. It says in Romans that whilst we were still sinners... Christ died for us. Whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we've got everything together, not when we're perfect, but whilst we were still sinners, that's when he died for us. You know, and this is this beautiful thing of faith. 
this beautiful thing of faith. And I think we also need to remember that we are in a spiritual battle. I think we don't really talk about that very much in this country. And, but we are. I've been to places around the world where it's so obvious that we're in this spiritual battle. And in this country as well, we might not see it, but we really are. That's what faith is. This last weekend, my, my grandmother's birthday, who died 20 years ago, and for a few years now, and a few of us go up to her graveside, which is about three hours north of here, in a place called Exton. And it's a beautiful, beautiful location. It's the one place that I go to, and I think this is Psalm 23. If you've read Psalm 23, this is the sort of place where you can go, and it's just beautiful waters and stunning location. And we were there this weekend, and in the build-up to my grandmother's death 20 years ago, she had breast cancer, and she was the most incredible woman of faith I've ever met in my life. Was convinced the whole way through that she was going to be healed. And yet in the week in the build-up to her death, she wrote a letter that was later found by my dad in in a Bible, tucked in a cupboard somewhere. And she'd written this note in this letter a week in the build-up to her death. I just want to read it to you this morning because it's incredible to see someone with such incredible faith that we can also have in Jesus Christ. This is what she said. She said, Sometimes you might feel it's impossible to go through to the end, to endure, and that might be right. But when we come to the end of what is possible for us, then we can see God do the impossible Faith has not begun until we believe God for the impossible. We do not need faith to do what is possible. And so if you're facing impossible situations in your life, praise God. Maybe that's for someone this morning. If you're facing something in your life at the moment that you feel, this is impossible, I cannot do this, whatever that may be, maybe it's a health thing, praise God. Give the glory to God. She goes on, now you can begin to exercise your faith. It's like climbing out on a limb of a tree for God when you trust for something impossible. You're stepping out into a precarious situation where you need help. And if you're overwhelmed with your problem or the impossible situation you face, the devil loves to come and tell you that it won't work, that you cannot make it. The limb will break off, he says repeatedly. And so there you are, out on the limb, and what does the devil do? He starts cutting the limb off. He not only predicts it will break off, he tries to fulfill his own prediction, but stay right there and hang on to the Lord. When the devil cuts the limb off the tree, the tree will fall on the devil and the limb will stay right up there in the air. Why is endurance a step in God's healing process in our lives? You know, sometimes we want God to perform a miracle and take away all of our problems and our sickness right now. God is really blessing us, and he is preparing us. So we need to build the character that comes through enduring. The struggle is part of the victory process. We are at war. Do not give up. You're on the winning side. See, as I read that, it's... This was a lady who was so close to death in her final week before she died, and she had built this character of enduring in faith. And I think for some of us here in this room, we need to hear that this morning, that that this is not an easy thing. It's not an easy thing to be a Christian. It's really difficult. 
It's really difficult to walk in those promises, to walk in the goodness of God. It's not an easy thing. And we need to remember that God has given us his Holy Spirit to help us to endure in the midst of those things. That's what my grandmother realized. And that even though she died, her faith was in the Lord Jesus. And he offers that grace to each and every one of us today as a free gift in him. You know what? Over the last few years in particular, I have learned so much from people who are older than me, and particularly those in their 80s, actually. I've learned so much stuff. And as I was going through this the other day, I was thinking, there's so many of us in this congregation at the 1115 who have so much wisdom, that have so much that you have experienced, that God has done in your life. And I tell you what, there are tons of young people that need to hear some of that stuff, that need to hear about endurance, that need to hear about what, what, what do you do when, when life gets tough, that you put your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ and you praise God. And so I'd encourage those of us in this room that, that have wisdom to encourage someone who is younger than you and, and maybe even to go along to the six o'clock service occasionally and just grab a young person because these young people are crying out for someone to take them under their wing but they're too afraid to ask grab a young person and say to them why don't we meet up for a coffee or a or a drink or whatever and just get to know these people and pray for them you know it's biblical it says in the scripture that the older generation need to encourage the younger generation so let's do that i'd encourage you to do that how do we walk out in this grace that God has given us. I think it's, it's remembering, it's looking back, and maybe you're in a situation at the moment where you're thinking, it's too difficult. And it's in those times when it's difficult that we need to look back and we need to remember what has Christ done in our lives in the past that we can hold on to here in the present. It's asking, it's crying out to God again, saying, God, would you help me? This isn't easy. This is difficult, this situation that I'm going through. I'm really struggling in this area. I'm struggling to do this. Cry out to God if you have to. See, as my grandmother said, we are at war. Do not give up. We are on the winning side. And for those of us who have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, I know that you can join in me with saying that it is the most incredible thing. But yet it is difficult. For those who haven't made that commitment, and maybe there's some of us here this morning that haven't said, God, you know what, come into my life because I can't do it without you. And maybe you're in a position in your life where you think, well, I don't need God because stuff is going well. A lot of us can be in that position as well. i tell you what we do. And Jesus will transform our life. And he's not saying that it's going to make it easier or better but we will have the assurance that he is with us and that he is enduring, pressing us on in the faith. I'd encourage you this week to look over these verses again from Ephesians 2 and from Galatians as well, just to read these scriptures and to be encouraged by this because the church 2,000 years ago was not perfect. I think we often look back and we think, oh, you know, this is how you plant churches. This is how you do things. And actually, these churches were, a lot of them, dysfunctional. And they got it wrong. 
And just reading Galatians now, you've got these false teachers that are coming in and are teaching a different doctrine. You know, we have that today as well in the church. These churches were not perfect, but the one thing that they did do was they looked to Jesus Christ. And this is the story of the Galatian church. As Paul comes in and says, this is not the gospel, that these guys realign their lives with Christ. And maybe that's for us today. I'm going to invite the band to come up and to play. And I'd invite you to stand together. We all stand together and hold out our hands. Maybe you feel that it's too difficult at the moment with whatever it is that you're struggling with. Maybe that's a health thing or something that you don't want to be living in that way, that you want to walk out in the goodness of God. And I would invite the Holy Spirit to come and to minister to you now. Maybe you're in that place and you've never actually experienced the power of grace and the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if that's you, then I would invite you just to say a prayer in your heart. So Holy Spirit, I, I welcome you here. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for what it is that you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Sorry, Lord, that we take that for granted. Sorry that we trust in ourselves so much of the time that we don't put our trust in you. And I pray, Lord Jesus, today that you would fill us, that you would anoint us with your Holy Spirit to send us out in the power of Jesus Christ, to know that we are forgiven people and to walk out in those good things that you have given us to walk in. Holy Spirit, come. Amen.